Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our theme verse from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And this is the Essential Bible Studies podcast. My name is Tim Young. And I'm Jay Mayock. We're very excited to have you with us on another episode, and I'm really excited to have Jay here with me when we first started sitting down talking about these podcasts. Your name came right to my mind because you seem to ood out of every pore of your body the love of Scripture. So (laughs) I'm really happy to have you here, and we're going to be talking about a really important, essential Bible study, the kingdom of God. Yeah, so we've got... We've got 10 scriptures here. These are, it's a top 10 list. I'm not going to say this is the top 10 list because one of the things we'll find out is that when you start researching this subject on the kingdom of God on earth, there are so many scriptures that you can have. So this is my top 10 list. Yeah, this, we'll just get that straight. This is not yeah. my top 10 list. I, yeah, that's right. It's not this Tim's. is a good top 10 list, but I, I, I might have picked a few different ones. Yeah, so that's, that's good. And maybe some of those will come up um, as we're looking at these passages as well. So you might get a bonus few passages. We'll have to see how it goes. But um, So this is a top 10 list of scriptures about the literal kingdom of God on earth. So when you say a literal kingdom of God on earth, we're talking about a change in the governments of the system. Yep. Where Jesus Christ is the king. He's going to be on earth. That's exactly right. On a throne from a capital city, Jerusalem, and the whole earth is going to become the the kingdom of God. That's exactly right. It's and that will be a process. It's a process that will take a time to complete. We believe a thousand years from the Bible, but it all begins uh, in Jerusalem as the capital city. Okay. Yep. And uh, as the prophet Isaiah says, this is one of your bonus passages, ah. Israel will blossom and bud and fill the face of the whole world, the whole earth with fruit. So it's something that begins there in that land at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, but will spill over into the entire world as the kingdom of God expands right. from there. Now, I chose this one because you've been spending a lot of time on this subject lately. Uh, you've just been living in it. Uh, you were down in Trinidad and Tobago talking on this subject, and you're going to be talking about it in Brantford, Ontario, yep. on this subject as well. So yes, yeah. you've really been delving into this. So the, the, this is important. This, this is your top 10 list. This yes. Is, this is good stuff. Yes. This is, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm very excited about a top 10 list. I'm, I'm counting down. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it too. You know, when we look at a subject like the kingdom of God on earth, it's not just um, a curiosity or a novelty. This is one of the, it's one of the main essential teachings of the Bible. Yeah. And there are specific verses we'll go to that show that these these were the teachings, not just of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just of the apostles, but it was the intention of the God of heaven at the very beginning at creation for him to to enthrone himself and to develop a kingdom throughout all the world where his glory and praise will be known among it. So you're saying, even though we see like when Jesus Christ first came on the scene, he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom exactly. of God right away. Yeah. And that was the the main essence of his teaching. But we're going to see that that 
is really has an Old Testament yes. background, which is very important for us to, under, us to understand. I think the more that we read the Bible, that's exactly how I see it. And I think the more we read the Bible, the more we realize that it is, uh, it becomes a shorter book when we know all the stories, but it becomes <laughs> a deeper book. Yeah. Okay. It becomes much deeper. Shorter and deeper. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So um, hopefully we'll see that if we move across just a few verses. And the other thing I think we'll see, and what I hope that we'll be able to appreciate, and I think that as we get older, we read the Bible more and more. And as we talk about, we talk with those who love scripture more about this subject, we will find these same teachings in places where we never thought that we'd find them before. Right, right. And that's one of those wonderful things that speaks about the, the wonderful continuity and context and harmony of scripture together as a whole. Yes. And when it does seem that there's a random account or story, we can fit it into a larger context and into one of those essential teachings or, or what we would call first principles of the gospel. Very good. So let's do it. Let's, let's count do down. Let's start. All right. Let's start with number 10. Okay. So here's number 10, which is our theme verse. This is the key verse, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is a prayer. I mean, most Bible students know this prayer as the Lord's Prayer, and he's teaching us how to pray. And he puts that in the very first part of this prayer, something about God's kingdom, so this is really where it becomes so essential because Jesus Christ is putting us in the forefront of his prayer, what yeah. it is about his kingdom. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this prayer was given by the Lord Jesus Christ as an instructional prayer at the request of the disciples who said, Lord, right. teach us to pray. Right. So they, they wanted to find out how it was that they could pray like the Lord Jesus Christ, pray in a way that would be acceptable and in a way that would express to God those things which are most dear to him as well. And the kingdom is is right there. And one of the things that this um, first part of the Lord's Prayer speaks about is the connecting together of a couple of themes. So your kingdom come. We learn about a couple of things about this kingdom. When this kingdom does come, which at the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, it hadn't yet. And even at the time of his death, it hadn't yet. Even at the time of his resurrection, still hadn't come. And before the Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven at the right hand of God, it had not yet come. Mm -hmm. And we'll see that in just a moment. So we're still waiting for that time when it will come. And when it is come, just as it says in the Lord's Prayer, it will be, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So just as the will of God now is being done perfectly in heaven by the angels who are under his control and under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ, who um, who reigns with the Father in heaven now, just as that will is being done perfectly in heaven, it will be done on the earth. And we know that that hasn't come yet. Right. I mean, you just look around. You just look Read around. the headlines. Yeah. It's exactly right. So that's, that's what's so powerful about that. It, it's something that is as relevant for us now as it was in the time that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke it, keeping our minds focused on that kingdom that's coming. And really we have that, that word hallowed, hallowed be your name. So what, what that means, there will be a time in the kingdom when God's name will be known and revered and respected by everybody on earth. And that's going to be coming in the kingdom age. And for those who believe in 
the God of the Bible and in the Lord Jesus Christ, that work is beginning inside of us now as we're doing all that we can to glorify his name on the earth now. But we know from what the scripture says that will not happen to perfection. It will not happen in the way that will pour blessings upon the populations of the world until that time when the Lord Jesus Christ returns and begins his reign from Jerusalem. I was going to say the name aspect there has to do with a, a person's reputation, like who they yeah. are, their purpose, and their, and their yes. qualities of their character. So that's what's going to be hallowed. It's, it's going to be, it's basically going to fill the earth with this this glory of God, of who he is, and yeah. the knowledge of him. And as the Bible says, from the least unto the greatest, everybody shall know it. Right? Yes, that's, that's exactly right. And that's another wonderful allusion to another kingdom passage. So yeah, the glory of God and the name of God, the reputation of God. And we all have a, a name, we all have a character, we all have a reputation. And when Moses, if we just go back a few thousand years, 3,500 years, Moses asked to see God's glory. And if right. you ever wonder yeah. what it was that is meant by God's glory filling the earth, Moses asked God to see it. And what God did is he proclaimed to Moses, he's like, I'm gonna tell you what my name is and the characteristics associated for me with me. And he talked about mercy and grace and goodness and truth and justice, all of those qualities that are lacking in the, the leaders of the world today, um, no matter how well-intentioned they are. So that's a, it's all part of the purpose of God. Really a wonderful passage to go to, if we could just turn in our Bibles to connect this, this idea of the glory and the knowledge of God occurs in the prophecy of Isaiah. Okay. Isaiah, which... It's in chapter 11. Okay. And, you know, just to, just as a little encouragement, we're not going to have a look at it now, but if you, if you want to know some amazing pictures about what's going to, going to happen in the kingdom when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, Isaiah chapter 11, first four verses of Isaiah chapter two are amazing verses to go to, to look at the, the effects of the kingdom in Jerusalem and then throughout the whole world when the nations will come up to worship and learn about God there. So in Isaiah chapter 11 at verse nine, mm -hmm. uh, we get this incredible picture here. There's really two pieces to this verse. Verse nine says that the wild animals will no longer hurt or destroy in all of God's holy mountain in Jerusalem where the capital of this future kingdom will be. And then the second part of that verse says, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Mm -hmm. And that's in Jerusalem. And that's going to be the point from which the Lord Jesus Christ will reign and teaching will go forth and blessings will flow throughout all the world out of Jerusalem in that day. So that's Isaiah chapter 11. It's the knowledge of the Lord. And uh, the other passage, too, is in a prophet that if you're finding it for your first time, it could take you 10 minutes to turn up. And it's one of those little books in the Bible that takes me a long time to find sometimes. And I've been reading the Bible for a long time. So Habakkuk chapter 2, the prophet Habakkuk. And he has this incredible verse that says essentially the same thing. And it just connects this... Uh, the knowledge and the glory of the Lord again. So verse 14 of Habakkuk 2, it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And Jesus prays in his prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're still waiting for that time. Now, both of these Old Testament 
verses that you bring up, though, were actually quotes of an earlier time from Numbers chapter 14 and verse 21. Yes. I you yep. wanted to bring that up, but yep. I mean, it's it's definitely essential back in here when the children of Israel were coming into the, the land that had been promised them to by God, and they basically were rejected God believing the, the 10 spies that brought back an evil report. But in that whole thing, in Numbers 14 and verse 21, it's God says there to Moses, but truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. So the thing I find amazing about this is no matter what man was doing yeah. and trying to thwart God's purpose, God says, it doesn't matter. Yeah. As truly as I live, all the earth is going to be filled with the glory of the Lord. And that is his purpose. Exactly. That's his whole purpose. That's right? exactly right. Yeah, it's a wonderful verse. Another really uh, good verse to go to as well. We won't, won't read the whole chapter, but it's right in the middle of the Bible in the book of Psalms. And sometime this, sometimes this passage is known as the kingdom psalm because about yeah. the specifics that oh, are, it's, beautiful. it's incredible. Yeah. It really lays it out all in, in a lot of detail. Yeah, psalm 72. We're just going to focus in on one verse, but it's another one of those passages in scripture. The whole psalm that speaks about the glories of that kingdom age. But at the very end, after describing all these incredible blessings of the kingdom and what it will be like when this literal kingdom is established on the earth, the psalmist praying that this will certainly come to pass. And in verse 19, it says, Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Now, doesn't that sound just like the Lord's yeah, Prayer as well? It does, yeah. There's a lot of connections there. Yeah, in verse 19, blessed be his glorious name. And hallowed be thy name. There, It's yeah. right there in the psalm. So, you know, sometimes we look at, we can look at scriptures, one scripture, and say, wow, that's, that's, an, that's an amazing scripture. And, and it is. And the Lord's Prayer is, is unparalleled in, in the instruction that it gives us. But the connections to the rest of scripture show that it's tied to so many other themes that go before and are connected to these big first principles, these essential teachings of the Bible that the Lord Jesus Christ preached and the apostles, and even going further back, as we'll see a little bit later on. Right. Okay, we're going to have to move along here, and because uh, we got nine more to go. So what's number nine on your list? Number nine. I have Matthew chapter one. Matthew one. Matthew chapter one. Now, this is just was... a few pages back, but if you Okay, look... yeah. Matthew chapter, it's not just Matthew chapter one, it's Matthew chapter one, verse one. Oh, so, you, okay, wait a minute. You've chosen the very first verse of the New Testament. It doesn't even mention the word kingdom here, nope. though. Nope, Seems okay. like a stretch, right? Okay. <laughs> until, we, <laughs> until we take a closer look at it. And this is what's so, uh, so helpful. I don't know if you've ever had a look at a Bible which contains the New Testament and the Psalms. Yeah. Which can be very handy if you're looking for the writings in the New Testament and the Psalms. But the tricky thing is it doesn't have the rest of it. It doesn't yeah. have the rest of the Old Testament. And when we look at the very first verse of the New Testament, it's telling us that we have to have an understanding about the essential teachings of the Old Testament. So just have a look at verse one of the whole New Testament in Matthew chapter one at verse one. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Yeah. That's a great verse. It and is. It's so, and it's so packed, this verse. 
And one of the most incredible things about it is that when you think about David and Abraham is that these are men that are separated, as Matthew chapter one tells us, by many, many, many generations. Yeah. And yet for some reason, the Bible wants us to understand, God wants us to understand that Abraham and David are the focus right. of, of this particular... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. So when we look at uh, just first the term Jesus Christ, so Christ is a, it's really a Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. Like I'm sure we've all heard yeah. of Handel's Messiah. Yeah. And that is, it's just another way of saying Christ. Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is, essentially it's a Greek word. And all of the kings in the Old Testament, when you think about Messiah or Christ, the word simply means someone who is anointed. And in the Old Testament, you were anointed if you were a king or if you were a priest. And Jesus Christ is both of those things. And we're going to talk a little bit about David, and we're going to talk quite a bit about Abraham today as well. We come down to verse 6 in Matthew chapter 1, and it says that Jesse was the father of David the king. And as you go all the way through Matthew chapter 1, there's all this, all these kings that are mentioned, and yet David's the only one who's called the king. Yeah, you're right. Because there were very special promises made to David about somebody who would descend from him, yeah. who would be a king. Yes. And Abraham, he was also promised a descendant who was to be the ruler of the land called Israel. So without even mentioning the word kingdom, as you brought up in right. verse 1, we are brought right into the realm of a kingdom in the very first passage of the New Testament. That's awesome. Okay. That's amazing stuff. So the, this New Testament, this book of Matthew, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to be the king of this kingdom. And to prove that, the writer says, you have to understand he's the son of David, and you have to understand that he is the son of Abraham. Okay, I think we have a couple other verses on that. Let's go to the next mm -hmm. one. Number eight is Acts chapter eight and verse 12. And this, oh, that's a great verse. I yes. can totally see this one. The Acts chapter 8 and verse uh, 12. Let me just get there. It says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Yep. So here is his Philip, who is preaching the gospel in this place called Samaria. Yep. And the key thing is here, they, they believe his preaching, and because of their belief, they are baptized. But he gives us very specific two things that they had to believe in before they were baptized. That's right. And it's the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. So whatever we're, we're looking at here when we're, we're talking about the kingdom of God, this is why it's essential. Yes. Because you, you have to believe and understand the things concerning the kingdom of God in order to be baptized. Exactly. Right? That's a huge so passage. It's a huge passage. And it tells us that it's the good news about the kingdom. That word good news is the gospel yes. in the King James, right? Right. But that's that's what the gospel is all about. Yeah. You know, we think of the gospels as just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. But that's not the way the Bible exactly. uses the word gospel. Yep. It means good news. And it's good news about the kingdom of God, these that's things right. that we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's you bring up a great point about the gospel, because we tend to think about it as the gospel writings, which is true, but it is it is so much more than that. It's about the kingdom. It, it even says in scripture that Abraham 
was had the gospel preached to him. Yeah, he that's actually, Galatians chapter three. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a, that's an incredible. It's it's a way to it changes perhaps our paradigm about what it is that God means when He reveals to us His His good news. It's bigger than just the the four books. As important as those four books of the gospel are, and this is essential as they are for sure. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's a great verse. Let's go on to the next one. Number yes. seven. Number, number seven. seven. Number seven, it's another chapter one. We've already been in the first chapter of the New Testament. How about we have a look at the first chapter of the Old Testament, the first chapter of Genesis the Bible itself. chapter one? Genesis chapter one. Oh, okay. So this, this idea of the kingdom, as we've said, we found in Matthew chapter one, but we can see it going all the way back here into Genesis chapter one as part of the original purpose of God with humanity. And when God was creating man, when he created man, and then he created woman from man, he created them so that they together would have dominion. Oh. That was the whole purpose that he so created. So kingdom yes. and this word dominion are connected. That's exactly right. right. So the king's dominion. Yes. That, yeah, okay. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, And that's what we have here in Genesis chapter one, the idea of the dominion for which man was created to exercise. So you got verse 26. Verse 26 is right, yeah. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Whatever creation is about to be described here in the creation of mankind, man and woman, they were supposed to be a reflection of who God was himself, of his glory, of his character. Of his name. Of his name. That's uh -huh. exactly right. Yeah. It says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, man and woman were to share and have this dominion over. But they were supposed to be in the likeness, the image and likeness of God. That was the intent. To be able to do it, yeah. Exactly. And not to, not to be like the beasts and the animals over whom they were supposed to have right. dominion. right. Yeah. So they would kind of represent maybe the fleshly kind of instincts that we all are susceptible to. Exactly. Having uh, superiority over that through the mind that God is, gives us through Christ. Exactly. That's incredible. So, yeah. So these are, these are all things that go right back to the very beginning of the Bible. And they are teachings that are consistent with everything that God has revealed to us from the very beginning. And what it helps us appreciate is the fact that, as we've said before, this is a literal kingdom. Okay. This was a literal creation. Yeah. This is a literal kingdom. And the early Christians had a very clear understanding of that for sure. And, and But there did come a time where the early Christians, as time went on, uh, the decades and the hundreds of years went on, that there was a growing uncertainty about what the definition of this kingdom was. And uh, Edward Gibbon writes about this in his enormous work on the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. You've read every page of it. I've read probably 50 pages of the entire work. <laughs> and uh, among those 50 pages is this particular quote. He says, about this transition from the time when early Christians did believe in a literal kingdom age that was to come, the kingdom age of the teaching of the Bible, there were other ideas that started to creep in. And so he speaks about those other ideas where he says that the doctrine or teaching of Christ's reign upon earth was at first treated as a profound allegory. It was considered by degrees as a doubtful and useless opinion and was at length rejected as the absurd invention of heresy and fanaticism. So that's just a really descriptive way 
of saying that that original purpose of which we're talking about here of God in his creation in the kingdom that he had prophesied and had planned for throughout time the understanding of that was being changed into something that was allegorical and then later just irrelevant to the the Christians right so we see that's where we see a lot of the confusion today a lot of that comes from that time period when people lost that kind of sense of the little literal kingdom of God and yes I see yeah yep it's a helpful quote very helpful Okay, let's uh, let's go on to number six, which is uh, Genesis twelve, verses six and seven. Yes, ready for that? Yeah, absolutely. So we talked earlier from Matthew one verse one. You brought up Abraham and David, right. and this is our connecting verse. We also talked about how the gospel was was preached to Abraham, and he believed God. And here's the example of it. So this is a great verse. Uh, Genesis 12, verses 6 through 7, it says, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is the gospel. This is yes. like we were talking about when he says, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now, right. there's several times where God gives these promises to Abram, and they involve these two things. They involve the offspring, which is a seed, because at this time, Abram and Sarah were childless. Right. And so their child was to be a child of promise that mm-hmm. was going to to come when, when Isaac came. But it foreshadowed actually the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it did. And he be, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the the fulfillment of that that seed or that offspring. And then those who by faith in Christ then become children of Abraham. Exactly. As well. Yep. So that's the the offspring he's talking about. Those who develop that character of God and are like Abraham in their faith. Yep. But he also promises him a land. And he actually took him up on a mountain and says, I want you to look northward, southward, eastward, westward. He says, I'm going to give you all of this land. And he never got it. That's exactly but it was right. it was a promise. And so we see two things here. And this relates back to our Acts 8 verse 12 passage because the, the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of God is about the land. Yes. And it's about the name of Jesus Christ, which is the seed exactly. or the offspring that was promised. So, That's the gospel. Yeah. That's the, the gospel, gospel to Abraham. Right so we got to understand the promises to Abraham if we're going to understand what God is talking about, the kingdom of God. Exactly. In the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And that good, makes, good verse. Yeah. It just goes right back to Matthew 1. Matthew 1. Where, where, where you've Matthew. got Jesus Christ is the son of David, the son of Abraham. So we right. have to, and we'll see the kingdom there uh, as well with the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. Number, number five in our countdown. Number five. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about Abraham. And now we're going to talk a little bit about David and his son, Solomon. So our number five verse and number four verse both have to do with the time when King David, who was also promised somebody who would sit on his throne, who was to be a descendant from him. And by the way, as Matthew 1 told us, David is a descendant from Abraham. And then coming down through the line of David would also come a ruler. So let's just have a look at 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Okay. So an incredible time of transition here in the kingdom. The kingdom is now going from David to Solomon. David had many sons, as we'll see, but there was one son 
who was given the throne of the kingdom. And I, I just want you to pay very close attention to how the kingdom is described in here. You know, I've often had someone ask me a couple of times, well, where is the kingdom expressed in the Old Testament? Mm. So where is the kingdom of God in the Old Testament? If it's right. that important, as Philip says it was in Acts chapter 8 and verse 12, and yeah. it's part of his teaching, where is it in the Old Testament? And First Chronicles 28 is one of those passages that you would go to to show this. A very powerful verse that helps link up the Old and the New Testament. And in verse 5 it says, And of all my sons, this is King David speaking, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen Solomon my son to sit on the throne, and here it is, the throne of the kingdom of the Lord, mm. the throne of the kingdom of God over Israel. And so now we're, that same land that was promised to Abraham, which he never received, his descendants came into that land when they came out of Egypt and they went into the land. And for a time they dwelled in the land of Israel and they set up a kingdom there through the, the help of God. And it was called the kingdom of the Lord. So we're looking forward to this kingdom, which is in the future. It is yeah. not simply the kingdom of God. It is it's the reestablishment of the kingdom of God upon the earth in the land of Israel. So that's First Chronicles 28 and 5. And just to reinforce it even more, if you just uh, flip over to our number four verse, to First Chronicles 29 at verse 23, it says, Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king in place of David his father. See, he sat on the throne of the Lord, or as First Chronicles 28 and 5 said, the throne of the kingdom of the Lord, the kingdom of God over Israel. Right. Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Perfect. Yep. So that is, uh, that is, that's pretty impressive. So we also learned that this was over the kingdom of Israel, as we've said, and it was in Jerusalem that these things took place. So we believe that there's going to be a reestablishment of the kingdom. As many other verses say, in Jerusalem, Jerusalem will be the capital of that kingdom. And I just want to draw you again to one more historical quote and just a, a caveat about the historical quotes. We just do this for interest. Our, our source 100% is the Bible, yes. but it's helpful to know what other people believed at certain times as well when we're doing a study like this. I think that can be helpful, although it's not essential. So hopefully it still fits into the podcast. But when you look at what it was that was said about the year 150 by one of the early leaders of the Christian church at that particular time, he wrote about some people who say, or who said at that time, and now I quote, that there is no resurrection of the dead and that their souls, when they die, are taken to heaven. And this early mm. church leader, Justin Martyr, says, do not imagine that they are Christians. But I and others who are right-minded Christians on all points, he says, are assured that there will be a resurrection of the dead and a thousand years in Jerusalem, which will then be built, adorned, and enlarged as the prophets Ezekiel and Isaiah and others declare. That's from um, Justin Martyr's Dialogue with Trypho, a Jew, a, a very readily available historical document. But what that shows is that really early on, like we're talking... right really early on, about 120 years after the Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, there were those both who believed in a literal kingdom upon the earth and also those that were starting to deny those things. 
even denying that there was a resurrection. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Which overthrows the hope of the kingdom of God as we understand it from the Bible. Yeah. Okay. So we're down to number three. This is Luke chapter one, verses 31 through 33. So we're going to get into New Testament here. We just dealt with some Old Testament verses. It shows us the kingdom of God in the Old Testament. So how does this come forward into the, the New Testament? Well, Luke chapter 1, verse 31, that is a great page. It is a great passage. So the context here is this is the angel's visit to Mary to tell her that she's going to have a child. It's in verse 31 where we're told of the significance of this child. The angel says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now that's that's a verse to really just sit down and really ponder yep. all the different aspects. But we've seen all of them already. Right. Because he talks about Jesus is going to sit on the throne of his father, David. Now, that's something that Solomon did, and he yes. says it was the throne of the Lord in his kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord. Right. So we understand that from the Old Testament, what that means. It's a, it's a restoration of that, that kingdom or that throne that was promised to David. He also says he's going to reign over the house of Jacob. Now, Jacob is the name, his name was later changed to Israel. Right. So we're talking about the house of Jacob is the nation of, of Israel. He's yeah. going to reign over Israel again. It's going Sounds to be restored. Familiar. Sounds very familiar. Yeah. We start seeing all these these echoes again. And then he's, he gives, actually gives us a time period too. Yes. He says, forever. There's going to be no end. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So we have all those elements again yeah. there. They're all bound in the promises that we saw in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and, and so on through all these yeah. scriptures. Perfectly consistent. Oh, perfectly consistent. Yeah. If we've never seen the connection to the kingdom in these verses, that's a very powerful thing. There are verses that are very well known. I, one of the earliest times I remember hearing Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33, would have been in a Peanuts episode. <laughs> and I remember- I remember Like the comic strip? The comic strip. Okay. It was in a video form, and I remember one of them got up there, and they were talking about the meaning of Christmas, believe it or not. And okay. they were actually talking about this particular- <laughs> And I remember hearing about that. And and there are words just like the Lord's Prayer that may be very familiar to us, but it's not until we take the time to think about them right. that we think, wow, this is like the gospel's here. And if we yeah. think about it, just as you said, very specifically about each of the the little ingredients to this kingdom, we will be understanding the building blocks for what the gospel is all about and how the Lord Jesus Christ ties into the kingdom and how it is that that future age is to be our hope. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And it wasn't just, as we mentioned before, that the Lord Jesus Christ preached about the kingdom of God with his disciples all the way through his ministry. It wasn't just about the fact that as he was on the cross, hanging and dying there, that the thief, one of the ones who was crucified with him, looked over to him and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was preaching that on, on the cross when he couldn't <laughs> even walk around Israel anymore. When he was in agony, he was still preaching it. Oh, it's yeah. it, what what an incredible example! But 
after he rose from the dead, he spent 40 days with his disciples. He, he appeared to them periodically. And do you know that he was talking to them and teaching them at that time as well? That's an awesome Bible class. Oh, it would have oh, been the best I... Bible class ever. <laughs> I wish I was there. Yeah, Luke 24. And he, he gave those probably those Bible classes a number of different times. We get little pieces about what it was that he, he talked at, at different times, but we get a summary of what it was that he spoke if we turn to the book of Acts. And in your Bible, it may say Acts of the Apostles, and that's exactly right. But one of the things that we find out is that even though the Lord Jesus Christ ascends at the beginning of Acts, he is continuing to work through those who were baptized into him throughout the rest of the book, uh, through his disciples and through all of those who are learning to be like him and to follow him and to be his disciples. And that included the teaching about the kingdom of God. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 1 at verse 3. It says that he presented himself alive to his disciples after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Mm, There it is. There it is. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So he had, his teaching had fanned into flame a hopeful expectation about this restored kingdom to Israel during all of these post-resurrection Bible classes. Is it this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What kingdom is that? It's the kingdom of God. You see how, see how they're linked again. Yeah. And he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority. So even though he didn't blow them off, but what he simply said was, you're believing the right things. You were with me the whole time I was teaching. It was it. a great question. Yeah. It was a great question. We yeah, would want to know. know. We, yeah. we ask the same question now. We want to know the answer to that same question now. But though the answer to that question has been put, as it says here, as the Lord himself says, it's been put into the Father's authority. It has been fixed by his own authority, as it says here. And there's another passage which, which doesn't refer to the kingdom explicitly, but, but because we've gone through these verses, we'll understand why it's there. If we were having a close look at Abraham and what it was that he was promised. Remember what Abraham was promised, right? So this is our last verse. This, this is number yes, one. This is number one. <laughs> now, this, this may seem like an interesting verse to choose for number one, but I think once we come here, it's a very appropriate place to leave off from our... Uh, consideration of the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 7, this is verse 5. Acts chapter 7, this is a wonderful history of the people of God, including the coming of Christ, given by one of the most faithful preachers ever to walk the face of the earth. And he paid a very heavy price, as you'll find out at the end Mm. of Acts chapter 7. And he's talking about Abraham in the presence of the leaders of the Jews. And he's reflecting on the promises made to Abraham And he says in verse 5 that God gave him no inheritance in the land. Remember he was promised the land? Yeah. His seed was promised the land in Genesis 12. Later on, Abraham himself in Genesis 13 was promised the land. It says he didn't even get a foot's length. And, you know, but Abraham did own land. But how did Abraham get the only bit of land he ever, he ever owned in, in Israel? He bought it with his own money. Just for a burial place. For a burial place. That's exactly right. right. And yet God promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, even though he had no child. 
So what this is saying is that even though the promises were made to Abraham about this land, this this territory of the kingdom and the land of Israel, yeah, he was personally promised it, but he never got it. Right. And even though his seed, his descendant, his offspring, whatever term we'd like to use for that, did not receive it, he was still promised it. And so in order for that to happen, and this is, I'm sure, the, the subject of future podcasts, Jesus must return to take that inheritance, to restore the kingdom to Israel and to reign over the house of Jacob as the angel had promised in Luke chapter one. And Abraham also must be resurrected to receive an inheritance in that, in that earth as well. Right, because he's dead now. Because he's dead. That's right. So he has to be resurrected in order to re- actually fulfill the promises. That's exactly the right. The promise of the kingdom of God. That's exactly right. It's just, it's an absolutely incredible implication that comes from that. So right. Acts chapter seven and verse five does not speak about how God originally planned to do something and then changed his mind. Remember what you read in Numbers 14. Right. Man had one plan, but that wasn't going to thwart God's plan at all. He was going to bring about his purpose to glorify his name in the earth as truly as I live. And when that happens, when that finally does happen, when Abraham receives his inheritance and the Lord Jesus Christ receives his inheritance and the nations will come up to learn about God and to learn to live in a way that glorifies his name, then the Lord's prayer, our theme verse, will be fulfilled. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Beautiful. Thanks, Jay. That was that was awesome. Thanks and very much for having a chat about it. It's exciting stuff. Okay, we're going to go out with some majestic kingdom music. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I've been trying to share this podcast with friends and family, and after I explained what a podcast actually is, the greatest difficulty is the technical challenges. To get over this hurdle, we've made some easy step-by-step instructions on how to listen to the podcast for either Apple or Android devices. So if you have an iPhone or iPad, we have instructions for that. If you have an Android phone or an Android tablet, we have instructions for that too. All you have to do is just go to this link. It's www.essentialbiblestudies.org help. That's www.essentialbiblestudies.org help for step-by-step instructions. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen.